Are IPCC climate projections conservative or exaggerated so far? And what are African leaders meeting about this week? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Tuesday, July 19th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with some extreme weather event updates. European heat records continue to get knocked down as the heat wave stays over much of the continent. Research shows that these heat waves would be virtually impossible without human-caused climate change. The UK hasn't hit the record 104 degrees Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius yet, but it's expected to happen this week. London got close today, hitting 102 degrees Fahrenheit. Wales did reach its all-time high at 98.8 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.1 degrees Celsius yesterday. It's important to note that only 3% of UK homes have air conditioning, and actually most are designed to keep the heat in. People have begun putting tinfoil on their windows to reflect the sun's rays. The UK death toll attributed to this heat is expected to be in the hundreds. Speaking of which, more than a thousand deaths have been attributed to the nearly week-long heat wave in Spain and Portugal. Meanwhile in the US, China insists on competing with Europe's heat. Nearly every observation station in Texas could see temperatures at or above 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.8 degrees Celsius this week. Kansas and Oklahoma are caught in this heat wave too, also seeing at or above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 15 degrees higher than those states are used to seeing this time of year. This heat is expected to stay into the foreseeable future. Time for a climate study. A new study published in the journal Nature determined that the world is currently hitting the higher projections provided by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's 4th, 5th, and 6th assessment reports. These reports were released in 2007, 2014, and 2021, respectively, and it takes about six or seven years to complete a report. These reports are done by an independent global group of hundreds of scientists from various backgrounds. The new study's abstract starts by stating this, quote, Despite the dire conclusions of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change IPCC assessment reports in terms of global warming and its impact on Earth's climate, ecosystems, and human society, a skepticism claiming that the projected global warming is alarmist or at least overestimated still persists. Given the years past since the future projections that served as basis for the IPCC 4th, 5th, and 6th assessment reports were released, it is now possible to answer this fundamental question if the projected global warming has been over or understated. The researchers determined that the IPCC report projections have so far been conservative, suggesting a cold bias in the modeling up to the end of the century. We have consistently been above average temperature projections by 0.07 to 0.2 degrees Celsius. However, the paper notes that this study was done to look at short future period analyses and that the further you look out, the less confident you can have in the projection. Now let's look at some climate victories. 18 Pacific Island national leaders came together Friday to officially declare a climate emergency. They say climate change is their biggest security threat. The group also agreed to try to work together to bring back Kiribati to this grouping. Kiribati just announced its withdrawal from the grouping, which was seen as an example of China's growing influence on the region. For more information on that complex situation, check out the source list below. 
Speaking of China, rooftop solar is taking off in China thanks to a recent combination of new policies. Last September, China's National Energy Bureau announced a new initiative for local governments to partner with solar developers to boost rooftop solar. In the first quarter of 2022, China installed three times the amount of distributed solar compared to the same quarter last year. Then last week, China announced it plans to cover half of all government and party rooftops, 40% of all school, hospital, and other public building rooftops, 30% of all industrial and commercial building rooftops, and 20% of all rural home rooftops with solar by the end of next year. Okay, I totally missed this next news story. Thanks to the Twitch chatters for bringing this to my attention. By the way, I've started Twitch streaming every Monday from 9 to 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. On the stream, you can join me in my process of making the Tuesday Climate Recap episodes. I'll leave a link to my Twitch channel if you're interested in the description. Back to the news story, though. A small group of youth climate protesters disrupted the famous Tour de France in the 10th stage of the bike race last week. Viewers saw senior officials dragging the protesters off the route. The activists were chained together by their necks to make the removal particularly difficult. They represent the organization Dernier Renovation, which was also behind the protesters who jumped the fence during the tennis French Open. They're just doing anything they can to bring attention to the climate crisis. In the U.S., a new interactive map helps people visualize how the clean energy transition will impact their area. A postdoctorate research associate at Brown University's Climate Solutions Lab recently created the Climate Opportunity Map, which lays out how many renewable construction jobs, renewable operations jobs, and energy efficiency jobs each congressional district in the U.S. should expect to see by 2050 if climate action is taken. It also looks at how many travel delays by extreme weather and deaths from polluted air could be avoided. How much money can each household save by 2050 if we transition to clean energy and increased energy efficiency? If you live in the U.S., click the link in the description to see how much your area will benefit from climate action. My congressional district could see 4,000 new jobs from building and operating new renewable energy infrastructure and over 900 new jobs from making energy efficiency improvements. 226,000 households will spend $311 less each on energy bills by 2050. 53,000 heat-exposed workers will earn $111 more by needing to take off fewer days to avoid the heat, and acting on climate now will save 11 lives in my district by 2050. For context, my district is an agriculture hub consistently under a marine layer. Those are really good things that really should inspire the movement. The map is very upfront with where it collects its data, too. Speaking of the clean energy transition, the Department of Energy just announced it will give $18.4 million through the Technology Commercialization Fund to seven national laboratory projects to get their clean energy tech to the market. These labs have been tasked with coming up with technology that would, quote, address barriers, gaps, and root causes of commercialization challenges for emerging clean energy technologies. Time for some climate fails. Deforestation in Colombia increased by 1.5% in 2021 compared to 2020 numbers, which represents the second year in a row of growth. More than 174,000 hectares, or more than 430,000 acres, of forests were destroyed in 2021, moving the country further from its target of reducing deforestation. Despite this uptick, the Colombia government said it did reduce its deforestation growth trends by 34% by 2021, which is more than the 30% promised. 
This deforestation growth trend metric has been criticized by environmentalists for not giving a full picture. And that does seem to be the case based on it seemingly being at odds with observed deforestation data. Parts of Colombian forests are in Amazonia. It will be interesting to see if these trends are impacted by the new leftist president coming into power in August. In the U.S., California's oil emissions monitoring process is coming under scrutiny. The state is learning in recent years how bad its fossil fuel industry emissions are, particularly methane emissions. Methane is 80 times a more potent greenhouse gas than CO2 for the first 20 years there in the atmosphere. Seeing methane emissions requires expensive equipment. Turns out California has some of the most emissions-heavy oil and gas operations in the world. What's crazy is that only 0.2% of fossil fuel infrastructure is responsible for a third to a half of methane emissions, according to work done by an engineering fellow at NASA, Riley Duran. The thing is, California's Air Resources Board, or CARB, isn't catching all of these emissions because it hasn't put any equipment on infrastructure already covered by local rules, so it's up to local regulators to keep track. Right now, they're only required to look at emissions once a year. When major leaks are detected, state and local regulators work together to regulate the leaky oil and gas wells. This is how it all should work, but the program has come under fire for mismanagement. Local residents of one of the most fossil fuel-heavy areas, the San Joaquin Valley, say regulators check emissions very regularly, and these emissions should be included in CARB's assessments. To streamline this process, Duran and a team plan to launch emissions detection satellites to help streamline the process. People also say the regulation process for emissions reduction isn't working, with carbon offset schemes being overvalued, which is a whole other big discussion. If you want to learn more about what different groups are saying on this issue, check out the link in the source list. Let's end with some developing stories. African leaders are meeting in Kigali, Rwanda this week for the first continent-wide meeting on nature conservation. The IUCN Africa Protected Areas Congress will include more than 3,000 delegates made up of protected area directors, youth activists, and indigenous and community representatives from 54 countries. They will discuss conserving nature and promoting sustainable development. Africa has more than 8,500 protected areas spanning 14% of the land and 17% of the surrounding ocean. More than 6,400 animal species and 3,100 plant species are at risk of extinction in Africa. Protecting nature is an essential part of climate adaptation and mitigation. Without a stable biosphere, humanity doesn't stand a chance of combating the climate crisis. One of the main agenda points of the meeting will be looking for more funding for conservation. Conservationists hope the leaders will ratify the formation of the Pan-African Conservation Trust, which will complement government budget allocations with state-based revenue streams like wildlife tourism and payment for ecosystem-based services. The meeting will also hopefully address the fact that while indigenous groups have been shown to be major wildlife stewards, many tribes don't have legal rights over the land they live on. That's a lot to talk about. Meanwhile, 40 countries met yesterday in Berlin to discuss how to stay focused on tackling climate change amidst the Ukraine-Russia war and ahead of the big United Nations climate conference in November, COP27. European nations vowed to fulfill their climate targets despite the increased coal use. As the meeting continues today, the countries will need to figure out how much rich countries owe poorer ones for climate damage and to help them transition to clean energy. They've already failed to come to a conclusion on that at two meetings prior. Today is the last day of this meeting and might be the last meeting before COP27. 
And that was your climate recap for Tuesday, July 19th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Bexphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.